You're tuning in to the Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal podcast. If you have a story or a guest recommendation that you think others need to hear, email me at wildweirdandsometimesnormal at gmail.com. Let's get this started. Alex and Brett, kick it! Today's guest is the Canadian earthquake researcher, an in-depth conversation about predicting earthquakes in specific parts of the world and the magnitude of them. I found him on Twitter a few months ago, late January, early February, after the Syria-Turkey earthquake. He was putting out a lot of tweets that were interesting. And since then, he has made several predictions spot on or right next to it that gives great credence to what he is saying. He's a fascinating follow on Twitter. I recommend you check him out. Enjoy the show. Are you looking for CBD for your pet? My friends at Pure Pet Wellness have what you need. They use the highest quality ingredients. While other companies may use synthetic oils in their CBD, Pure Pet Wellness uses organic ingredients, organically grown hemp, organic coconut oil, organic shea butter, organic beeswax, and that's just to name a few. A family-owned and operated company that also offers fast shipping. Go to purepetwellness.com for all your pet's CBD needs and use the discount code WILD and WEIRD at checkout. That's WILD, A-N-D, WEIRD. Treat your animal right. Go to purepetwellness.com. Are you looking to buy a home in New Jersey? Escape the city and move to the suburbs? Finally purchase that vacation home on the lake or down the shore? Maybe you're one of the lucky ones who are retiring and moving out of state. If so, let me help you. Keller Williams and the Real Estate Professional Group have what you need to make your goals come true. Reach out and have a conversation with someone who will put you first. Contact Brian McCoach at 856-321-1212 or email brianmccoach at kw.com. Welcome to another episode of Wild, Weird, and Sometimes Normal. I'm your host, Brian, and today I am joined by Brent Dimitruk, who on Twitter goes by the Canadian Earthquake researcher. Welcome, Brent. Yes, thank you. So I found you on Twitter, and I find your profile to be fascinating. Uh, You have been predicting, accurately predicting earthquakes a few days before they happen, or so it appears. Yes, that's the case. Yes. Wonderful. Can you elaborate a little bit into your process on on how you go about this? Yes. I I actually just discovered that the plate boundaries, uh, first of all, don't have very even movements. It actually, the plates are technically all in some, in some way jammed in most, most sections around the plates worldwide. Not like the original thing that I found in the beginning about a blocking of the plates in the Philippines. So because of this unevenness of the of how so many sections are jammed, I actually can determine areas that are uh, specific sections along the plates that are more likely 
to actually move and up and other areas stay in long gaps. And there are cycles of these earthquakes also. The most recent one, east of Australia, I saw I noticed that there was a, a clustering of earthquakes. And um, the funny thing is that normally when people are doing this earthquake prediction stuff like Dutch sense, it seems like the main tool that's used is areas that are areas that have gone the longest without uh, without major activity are supposed to be lined up as as most likely the next. But uh, but that doesn't seem to be the case in uh, uh that's not exactly the case, actually. So some areas that, that have already been getting profuse earthquakes have actually become more likely to get even more, while other areas adjacent keep going empty even longer. And that, that actually did keep happening this year and made me predict it. Like the original blocking of the plates in the Philippines, uh, I kept saying over and over again that there's going to be uh, major activity right at the blocking area in the south of the Philippines and and it actually did end up coming the area in Indonesia like Java I correctly kept leaving out of my predictions because I knew it was jammed up it was quiet for a very long time and I knew it was going to stay quiet because it's actually almost completely blocked up actually almost completely blocked up there and several other areas like west side of Japan and there's there's a lot of areas that I just know are automatically going to stay blocked. And and there are cycles of the earthquakes also. But like, for some reason, there seems to be a, a type of cycle where sometimes the earthquakes, like, seem to squeeze or, like, yeah, like, squeeze and concentrate inward toward where the blocking is and the areas are, like, further away and, and all around it go quiet. And then there is, like, a reverse earthquake pattern sometimes where a huge void forms and it goes really quiet around where the blocking is and the earthquakes all start to happen repeatedly in the areas more far away from it, it they're, they're actual patterns that they that they follow these are the kind of patterns that you would only understand by knowing that the that this jamming of plates is happening so these cycles and and gap things and all these things I mentioned are the main tools I use to predict those earthquakes. Just fascinating. So when you're you're looking at these jams and then you know the reverse earthquakes, how are you able to tell the the magnitude, the the volume of the earthquake that's going to you're predicting that's going to come? Actually, well, these were more general though. I actually didn't I did not predict exact size. I just gave a general update update saying where the where the major activity will be which my threshold is six and plus generally for major earthquakes so that's just how, how it works just generally speaking any earthquake that could be considered big and then there there are the others i used a major gap two times to predict the two large the really big earthquakes to happen first that magnitude 7.6 earthquake that happened to uh, occur at the blocking site in uh, at the south of the Philippines, and then even the Turkey one actually. So first the 7.6 near the near the blocking in the south of the Philippines, there was a really really steep gap, uh, like stop uh, drop in earthquakes 
and such a such a strikingly um, like long period of silence happened in a very wide area of the Pacific that I actually used that silence and predicted and I posted this thing saying, okay, there's going to be an earthquake close to a magnitude, something close to magnitude eight in the coming days. And then a magnitude 7.6 happened. And so that that earthquake was made off of the, the silence. That's where I got it from, which was incredible. And then the, the Turkey, the Turkey earthquake, I actually did something similar. I did post something saying that yet another major slowdown sign, which is a sign of strain, like the plates are straining because they slowed more than they normally would. And so I'd said something 7.7 or larger in the in the area of the West Pacific or to the east side of Asia should happen in, within a month. And so the my location end up, ended up off, but that was definitely that was definitely it. It was a huge earthquake. I said 7.7 or larger, and the actual earthquake was a 7.8. So that the Turkey one also, I predicted from a mega gap in earthquakes that happened before it. So that's that was associated with the Turkey earthquake. It's it's just an amazing. Why is your method? It appears to be more reliable than some of the governments use. That you know your Indonesia one was you're pretty spot on for a specific area. Why is the Indonesian government, why is the Turkey government not using the, some of the similar methods that you are to get a better understanding? Publicly, earthquakes aren't really even predicted. I actually think, you know, what most of this is, is that most of it's mostly what you call classified or confidential or whatever. It's actually not public at all. That's the thing. They, um, I always talk about how I'm sure the government knows what's happening. All this is just simply not public. They don't say anything about it. In fact, if they're predicting earthquakes, why would they even tell the public? They don't even, they literally don't have to or don't want to or both. So that that's pretty much why. Right. It's absolutely a shame what happened at that border of Turkey and Syria. You just, all those buildings just crumbled and uh, I believe the death toll was above 10,000 people. It it just seems you know, irresponsible at, at, at a bare minimum of not warning you know, your citizens and, and not, you know, trying to help like where you can. It's such a small specific area. You're you're not just saying it's, uh, you know, Turkey may have been a more general area for you, but Indonesia, you're doing a small sliver of it. It's happening right here. You're not saying, hey, United States in general for four weeks, don't go inside your house. That seems a little extreme. Like some of your predictions yeah. are really spot on to a very narrow area. Yeah, yeah. I should also point out the Mexico earthquake. Now that was an interesting one. So I was I was here in Mexico at the time. I saw a clustering earthquake pattern happening for the for what at the time was the latest twenty four hour period showing what the small earthquakes were doing, their, their behavior. So I posted saying, uh, okay, there's going to be a really big earthquake. Uh, some kind of pre-Colebra massive earthquake is going to happen near one of these two dots. And one of the dots was Mexico. And then an hour and a half later, boom, the, seven, the other 7.6, this was also a 7.6. It happened in Mexico. So that's, so my, my alert I just posted an hour and a half before the thing actually 
showed up. That was that was this was more about uh, uh, the accuracy for this one was for timing and location. That's again, it's just amazing. I keep repeating myself these you know hyperbole of of how crazy in in a positive way of how you're able to to do this. So you you think there are governments, uh, people within the government that can do similar to what you're doing, and they just choose not to. They they choose not to reveal it. They they don't see a benefit uh, as you do for putting it out there. If people follow you, uh, and I recommend you, it's a great follow on Twitter. Follow him, uh, and you're telling people of possible danger zones. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So 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 yeah the. None of the gov- none of the governments. Uh, it, it seems to be like a taboo, well, especially in the Philippines. Apparently, in the Philippines, it's a taboo uh, to like, like just like the the bomb joke uh, regulations on the subway. It's just as much of a taboo to even talk about an earthquake coming. Like you can't even say ab- say anything about it. They don't adhere to the see something, say something. They they go with the ignore it, and then it's not real. Yes, exactly. That's how it works with the government. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. So uh, some of your bigger predictions that you've been making on Twitter, uh, and and feel free to to drive this in any way that you want. But uh, you believe that there is a 10 plus magnitude earthquake uh, that is going to hit the Japan region. Yes. Yeah, so that's the that's my main prediction, and that's evidenced by actually I just. I just posted something new that you can therefore see on the Twitter account. That slowdown makes it very obvious because there's just there's just no way earthquakes just take a vacation. That just doesn't happen without a reason. The the magnitude seven and plus range for earthquakes uh, it showed something really significant starting uh, immediately from the point of where the Japan 2011 earthquake was and where I also expect the Culebra event to be located, starting right uh, from the north of that, continuing uh, north to an area just near like in the south of Russia. That that area has seen a very startling drop in magnitude 7 and up earthquake activity. It's so obvious the lack of magnitude 7s compared to the frequency that it was from the start of records all the way until year 2004 the if you check i did a calculation they, they came at an average rate of one one earthquake of 7.0 and up uh every year and a half on average up until they stopped and now we've gone just over just over 19 years that 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 Y area ha- has not got any. So you see that the big that's a big change for sure. Definitely that shows it's jammed and stuck and building up pretty bad. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's one of my... Oh, and I should also point out though that something very similar in look to that, that slowdown sign is happening on the other side, on the south side of it. The same thing is happening on both sides of the Japan thing. And then right in the middle, it's just some huge clustering. So you can see the, the blocking pattern right on it. What is your predicted time frame for this event? It really is hard, though, uh, to actually, there, there are very few cues to, uh, to, to use from the patterns to actually determine the timing. 
but the 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 progress of the science how it has uh it has accelerated the progress in the evolution of the science that you you can definitely say that we are moving towards the late stages of the tightening because of how much it pro progressed in the last eight years so so you would have to say that it's less than two years away for sure at, at the most i mean i could be off a bit but it's definitely getting towards the end of it because it, it's in the last like eight years and then especially in the last two years the signs have really accelerated the the number of areas the types of slowdowns all those show that we are at a at a very advanced stage of the tightening which has caused the, the slowdowns and then another important clue though i do use like you can use other things that are not directly related to try to get a hint like it does kind of look like the governments seem to have a planned economic crash it almost seems and that would make me think that this earthquake isn't going to happen before september because there there are three economic events uh this thing is not in my in my direct area of of expertise but i do notice that there's three main economic events that will converge in in the month of august all of them because the the student loan bubble and then the peak interest rates oh and the brics currency so i'm thinking that there there might be a controlled economic collapse coming and and so the and so I know that the, that the event is not going to happen before September because I know that they're they're doing something with the economy still by August. So that 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 makes me know that the Culebra event is not going to be before September. But there is something there is something going on with the economy. It does it does seem. And so I would I would place it anytime starting after October. So Can I jump in real quick? Can you explain the Calibra event that you've mentioned? Can you give a little detail about what that means? This is the name that I I first came up with. That uh, I was actually given a request by by the followers. So it was actually an, an idea of the followers for me to come up with a name for the upcoming massive earthquake. So I just happened to pick pick the word i like the most and it was it's in spanish <clears throat> i like the word culebra that was always a, a word i just somehow loved for some reason and it means snake in spanish so then i applied i applied that name and so initially i just simply called it culebra i said it's culebra and then as things progressed along then then uh People and then myself started simply calling it the Culebra event, which sounds better. And so that's how, so that's where the name came. And so this would refer to what is definitely going to be the largest earthquake in uh, in like modern modern history and in like on records. Because all of the declines in earthquakes clearly show that the mother of all seismic events is coming. Because even if you compare the patterns preceding the other large earthquakes, the, uh, the so the slowdowns in earthquakes were nothing. Like in the period pre-Japan pre -Japan 2011 was nothing compared to the signs we're seeing now. And I, I should also point out that 
it actually looks like there are cyclical. Uh, this is more like a cyclical release. I'm starting to think that the Earth simply goes through long periods, long cycles of hundreds to even thousands of years where energy accumulates, and and in these and in in these intervals, supermassive earthquakes happen. One one important sign to to take note of it's not 100 certain but it's it's consistent with all this is the fact that there's simply no standing structures like walls buildings and stuff but except foundations and sturdy of course uh pyramids and things like that once you go back to like two or two and a half thousand to three thousand years nothing is left standing it seems like there have been periodic super mega quakes in the past because the plate boundaries aren't aren't moving smoothly. The earthquakes we see, even like the Japan ones, are merely just chips of plate movement. The real mega events are when the these these totally jammed plates actually make a full movement, a full plate movement. So that's actually what the collabor event is. It's one of the it's a full plate movement that happens when finally the strain has accumulated on a plate and the whole plate simply just like jumps or something like that. The whole plate slips at once, and that the the tremendous force of a whole plate uh, displacing and slipping to to release all that strain is a, a super mega event, which would cause the whole planet to shake. So the Calabra event would mean a global a globally felt mega quake. Everything is going to shake because uh, earthquakes are caused by se seismic waves. That's why they're that's why they feel like they are. So, so literally, the moment of the Kleber event would be a flood of of giant seismic waves that would encircle the planet for probably more than an hour. Then there, there is in fact even a study. There is a study from University of Tohoku or whatever it's called, Tohoku University in Japan, that even highlights what a magnitude ten earthquake would be. And it says that a 3,000-kilometer-long rupture, uh, starting from central Japan going northeast to, to eastern Russia, that that is enough to produce a magnitude 10 earthquake. Just You only need 3,000 kilometers long of a plate boundary to rupture to produce a magnitude 10. And my observations reveal that we exceed the required amount of plate plate boundary length to produce this magnitude 10 earthquake so that's what is how the I plate know. boundary that, that you're seeing what what are what are you looking at for your collaborative event <clears throat> it actually covers the same as as discussed in that study which you can anyone can actually google it it's japan times can a magnitude 10 earthquake happen and so it actually uh, says it. Um, so my area actually covers the same area, but only wider. It would actually extend further out to Alaska and further down to, to Taiwan. So what, what you would notice if you actually investigate earthquake patterns, you will notice that there is a very extensive area that is lacking major earthquakes uh, um, and you can use that to actually see just how wide this is going to be it looks like the entire pacific plate is going to displace in the collabor event that like all the way to alaska it turns out 
Alaska is, a, is actually a fascinating detail about this. Uh, Alaska is actually a massive jammed area. And um, I recently posted something on Twitter with a map where you, you can see the, the, the really strange gap. Earthquakes above 5.5 have been paused. I think there's still there hasn't been any still yet in that wide area. A, a, a very wide area from almost to Russia, st stretching all the way through Alaska, has not seen earthquakes above 5.5 since more than 14 months ago. That's a, it's a very big gap. There haven't been major earthquakes in it. And that this is because Alaska is a, is a very severely jammed area of the plate. It should have plenty of activity, but it's actually, it's really jammed. The, the signs of how, how this is the case are especially apparent because of the lack of movement. And this is actually going to all move in the event. It's going to be, I can see the Culebra event is going to be like a chain reaction. One of my best analogies for how the Culebra, the Culebra event will unfold is like the Titanic. What is the the safety compartments of the Titanic are supposedly what we're supposed to keep it safe. The failure of one uh, safety compartment uh, then cascades so that eventually it all fails and Titanic goes down. This is pretty much what's going to happen with the collaborative event. The, the thing that's holding things uh, silent and tranquil right now is because there are multiple areas jammed. When one of these then bursts it this will cause a transfer of the energy on the others and then the whole thing will cascade and everything will go because what because once like an area like say for example if i don't know if the if actually the alaska one might even go first if that goes first it will transfer all that load all that load of accumulated energy onto the next one which is japan so now it, it will then take on all the load from the backed up plate it's backed up energy and that is actually how i think the collaborative event will, will unfold it's a chain reaction you see that's that's how it will progress it's going to be that's going to be quite an intense cascade of events in the collaborative event so if Japan pops first, you think that uh, transfer of energy is going to go to Alaska and then uh, release that jam, or possibly Alaska could go first and release the transfer of energy in Japan? It kind of, it looks like actually it has to be, like, I think it has to start from outward and move inward. Although it could theoretically, but it, it, but it kind of looks like Japan is staying and will stay quiet because the Alaska one is helping hold back some of it. So it's almost like Japan has no reason to go until one of the other ones does go. So like, and one of them actually might be the area east of Australia. I pointed out something very technical, uh, and but of course, interesting too, east of, of Australia. There have been no thrust earthquakes in of like no major thrust earthquakes at all on the east side of the Australia plate since uh, since like the actual re recording of earthquake types was offered by the agency, USGS, uh, um, going back to the, st the end of the last century. And, and you know what that means, not having thrust earthquakes? It means the plate itself hasn't even been moving at all. And so that is, that is really accumulated energy on the east side of the Australia plate. So what, so what does it mean that the dip slip earthquakes 
and the reverse earthquakes only happen there, it's because it's so actually under strain, the rock makes an upward movement or a sideways of sideways or a downward movement or something like that. And, and the, the slip from the plate doesn't happen. I know it's very, very technical, but the earthquake type actually shows that the plate hasn't been moving. And so all that energy has been building up. And I, I suspect that actually might be the first to go. This, this plate edge will, um, could go boom east of Australia. And that would cause uh, well, that, that wing of the, of the Pacific plate to then set in motion. And that would that that could start the transfer of energy for the Culebra event. It's it's actually more complex than I thought at first, but that's a very likely scenario. So what one of these areas will start chain reaction? The Fukushima earthquake in uh, twenty eleven. Do you recall what size that was? How powerful? Yeah, it was it was a, a magnitude nine point one. It turns out that was actually a a small like chunk of release of what would be the whole Culebra event. That was that was like the eastern edge uh, chip of the plate that just, uh, that released. And and then the whole thing behind it, like the massive area behind it, is what is left to, to go. That, that was like, so that was even just small in comparison. Even today, I, I posted a, a map showing just how one area alone that has a major gap in earthquakes is like, 10 times bigger than the slip area of the Japan uh, 2011 earthquake. So even that one, like it's, it's big, but that was not, that, that was not nearly, nearly as, as big as, of course, th this one will be, uh, it's, it's a, it's a 9.1. So that earthquake uh, in Fukushima is just a small little sliver of the bigger line that you're talking about. Fukushima earthquake did not if there were any type of waves that California or Western South America, they were they were small. Do you expect predict that this ten plus from Japan will have? You did say that it would set off other earthquakes around the world. Uh, do you expect a tsunami of any sort to the west coast of the United States or even Mexico and South America? Yes, that's another important detail about the, about the size. Because calculating the length, the length of the tsunami in the Japan 2011, um, it turns out it just, I think it's just, it just needs to be 20 times larger to produce an, a tsunami that is the same size of the Japan one, but that would do, have the same effect over the entire Pacific Ocean. And that's, and that is, that's exactly what is going to be, in fact, it'll be larger. It, it's, it'll be more than 20 times longer, the rupture. So yeah, so, so in fact, the tsunami will be at least, at least somewhat uh, higher, if not substantially higher than the Japan 2011. And the coverage area will be the entire Pacific Ocean. And so it, it will hit the West Coast of the United States. And I would say that the tsunami would be um, more than 10 meters high. Because it will run uh, the whole length of the Pacific Ocean, the tsunami will not spread out. It will, be, it will maintain its size. Because if it cannot spread out, it will, stay, it will stay the same height like it was at the source. So when it gets to the west coast of the United States, no matter how big if it, um, in the range I expect, 
10 meters or 20 meters, it will be hugely catastrophic. Actually, it, I, I'm thinking it's going to greatly exceed 10 meters when it hits the west coast of the United States. My calculations are correct over here. It's about 30 feet of waves inundating Los Angeles and you know all of those coastal towns right there. Yeah, actually, yeah, that, that number, though, is actually, that's very conservative. There are so many signs that it's actually going to be a lot higher than 10 meters, actually, like a lot higher than uh, it, this. It's all about the force also, because the, the width of the, the plate to move is actually a lot. It's a lot thicker because of it. It'll be a full force movement of the plate. We, we should be probably talking about minimum three times higher for the tsunami height. So so this should get. So I guess we can say something like maybe 100 feet minimum and quite likely even higher than 100 feet. Definitely, it's going to be too high. So it would would cause immense devastation and impact enough areas to cause a a massive impact on the U.S. West Coast. I want to circle back a little bit. I asked you the time frame and you said possibly in the next year or two, but then you saw that financial collapse and student loans and things of that nature. How does that play into it what what is your connection with that it's that like i'm using it as cues so if it looks like the government which which i'm pretty sure is is actually aware of what's going on that they know of the coming events to unfold if they're in the middle of an a controlled economic collapse which is still going to be in progress by August. I don't think that like, I, yeah, there's no way that the collaborative event would have then happened before then, because why would they be doing this? The, and then the BRICS currency there also. The student loan bubble uh, should pop. I, I mean, if you're going to take on average $500 a month out of every household, because every, every household just about has someone with a student loan who's going to start paying it back, that, so that will pop the student loan bubble. It's, and so I, so I know this, this will happen. And that's the exact same week that the BRICS meet. If, and if that happens and the, the currency, the, the world order and all that stuff switches, that would, that would crash the economy. And, and so how this, I think, could be timed to go with the earthquake coming right after, which would very severely crash the west because japan alone wouldn't actually really crash with any existing issues ongoing but and japan isn't is a western ally or something and so the earthquake will crash japan too though that's the thing so the economy in japan will also crash at the same time and then boom there goes the student loan debt bubble and and all that and the BRICS currency switching to power to the east and all that and I think the megaquake may may play a role in hastening the the impact after this. But but then but then the other thing I pointed out was was simply that I, I just don't think that the earthquake would happen before the economic collapse. It would happen after. And, and but but they might be using the earthquake to, to hasten the, the damages. So that's where it so that's where it may come into into play because I I think. Like the earthquake, I've I've constant I've continually thought alone should be enough that it will really badly damage Western society, but I don't know. Maybe do they want to make the damage even worse? Are they do they really want to make the worst impact by coinciding the economic collapse 
right before the earthquake hits that could be a that could be a factor also so so that pretty much explains the economic part brent you're full of good news here <laughs> let's switch <laughs> let's switch to the other coast because i saw on your your twitter today you spoke about an event in the caribbean which could lead to a tsunami in new york so i'm in new jersey right below new york so let's get to uh you know my backyard here what's going to happen Oh yeah, what uh, something I noticed is happening in the Caribbean. This is something that I'm gonna have to post online on Twitter very soon. What's happening with the Caribbean plate? There is a very, very, very steep drop in in major earthquakes in the in the Eastern Caribbean, and this has to be related to everything else I have been saying before. The area like where you you go to resorts to relax in the Dominican Republic, they used to have high a relatively high frequency of major earthquakes and starting by like a few decades ago it just halted all all these earthquakes just just halted you can see a very clear uh reduction in in movement and then the last time there was even modestly long break it was followed by a, a series of really really nasty large earthquakes and with seeing how long this break is what I think is going to happen when the Culebra event happens, it means a displacement of the plates. And so the North America plate will shift west relative to the Caribbean plate. And so the the lack of movement in the last few decades is because this process stalled. But And when and so the Culebra event will cause a resumption of this displacement and that will cause it to burst. And that burst is going to produce the mega quake and the tsunami that will and it's aimed right to where the east coast of the u.s and new york is so so that that's what's going to be the the reason the caribbean plate is going to produce a mega tsunami that races towards the east coast and then there is another factor it's called sage waves um there was there were reports from two of the earthquakes um, recorded so far. What happens in the earthquake is the water level rises and falls in areas very far from the earthquake. The the Alaska earthquake they reported, and that was just a 9.2, it caused a rise in water enough to damage harbors and even boats, I think. And then the Japan one caused a rise and fall of the water in Norway, which was even on film. So the water surged, and and the the same, but in a much more amplified, much larger scale, will happen in the Culebra event. Those demonstrated that even an earthquake that's very modest in size compared to Culebra still produces that. So now you just amplify this by how many times? Instead of just a localized uh, surge in the water, it's going to cause a full-fledged tidal surge on all the coasts. What and what is a sage wave? It just means that when the, when the earthquake blows, it causes the planet to wobble, and so the water sloshes back and forth. First, it goes down, and then it goes up. That's actually what a sage wave is. You can think uh, like a wave pool. So so when the water oscillates back and forth it's like so an oscillating uh body of water so it's simply the water coming up is just it on the up the upside of that oscillation so the mega quake is going to cause a massive global oscillation of the oceans which is the production of sage waves and that's what's going to cause no matter where you are the water is going to uh, crash down uh uh, like for the the level you're going to see the seabed 
course gets exposed and then the water comes surging in way up high and that so it's going to happen all over so that, that that'll be the reason that anywhere anywhere on the coast i should i should also point out that coastal cities like uh like on the east coast of the united states are very very flat so this this sage wave might not even might not necessarily be that high but it might surge several meters and that would be enough to totally ruin cities because they're comp- like look at Myrtle Beach and even New Jersey these places are very very flat and the cities are built right at sea level you can even see where they built these houses they're like right on the on the water and 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 industrial areas all this the sage waves will be just high enough to in, inundate them because they're at sea level anyway so they're going to get flooded so it might not be life threatening actually because like like um the the lesser impacted areas of japan had water surge up a couple meters and then people could be seen floating in their cars and stuff like that this one might be like a little worse than that but destroy everything but it might not be a, it's not a death sentence but you might find yourself floating away in the water and that's what's going to happen on the east coast the yeah. so the the caribbean one that is going to be an offshoot after the Japan mega quake, or is that could that possibly be an independent quake on its own? Well, it's actually hard to say about the the timing. Like it should be just shortly. It'll definitely be like not right at the same time. There would be some kind of a delay. I just don't know how long. Will it happen hours after or a couple days? And, I'm sorry. Actually, so my, I think my question is: Do you think Japan's going to trigger the Caribbean event, or do you think that could happen just on its own? Like that could happen? Oh, oh, no. no. No, definitely not. It's because the process I said means that uh, it it's going to happen as a result of the Japan event. Because I explained I explained earlier how the reason for it is because it's been the plate has been held back. So the reason for that is going to end, of course. When that won't happen, of course, until the release happens in the the, the West Pacific, like Japan, where it's it starts, and then so anytime after it, not until after the event starts, is when the Caribbean one will then go off. Is there any way that the pressure could be released without these mega events happening? Are there smaller ones that could <clears throat> cause enough relief somewhere? No, and th- and this this is a something that comes up from so many times from people asking because i know there seem to be enough people trying to anxiously uh find out okay could we avoid the clever event by splitting it up and my answer is i'm sorry i'm afraid no earthquakes in general like turkey is a good example uh of how earthquakes actually work earthquakes have a tendency to to try to release the energy in the quickest way possible and uh, so in the, in the least amount of time that's actually how earthquakes work it's just something distinctive about how they work i remember staring at the screen the day of the turkey earthquake when um when there were no earthquakes at all registered in the previous uh, 24 hours nothing for 4.0 and above recorded anywhere around it and boom the turkey one just shows up out of nowhere earthquakes tend to happen fast the Culebra event, although because of the complexity, I'd say a bit more of a share of it would get split up because it is so huge. But that won't really mean much because it's already going to exceed magnitude 10 no matter what. Like 
Alaska could be a separate part, but um, it's going to already even exceed 10.0 just by having having the other part, uh, the, the main part, go off. So no, it'll actually be divided up in some form, but not enough to to like make this not not as bad. I'm afraid. <laughs> Where are the safe places to go when you're looking at the map? Are you? Do you have a bug out bag? Are you prepared to to leave immediately? Are you in an earthquake shelter as we speak? Are you deep under the ground and you're ready for this? Where I am, I'm I'm glad that I I scored a, a relatively safe place. I'm in I'm in Mexico. Well, I remember I said I don't expect it to happen before, uh, like before the end of summer. So the area I'm I'm in. It won't happen in anyways, but either way, it, it's it's safe enough. And and I have done quite a bit of preparation as as we speak. I I have my two bags set up here as a precaution, just in case like something pops off. Mexico might might get even something. It could even be something not Culebra. So of course, I did think think about that, and I've had I put two bags where they're. They are very easy to grab and barely take away any of the time to escape. And there is, they have alerta sismica, which is the earthquake alert. Alerta sismica, it's called. And it actually sounds before the earthquake. There is there is ample time. From the time that the earthquake starts to the time that the largest uh, seismic waves arrive, I would already be out of the building and with my bags of stuff. It's definitely ready. Even uh, I put two two of my bags of the the, cer- the cereals and the the bottle of water. I I actually keep in the bag the bottle of water that I use all the time for my daily use. I actually also keep it in in the bag. So that that's what I did, and other people can do. Put your st- the stuff that you're not willing to lose. Put it in the bags uh, that that you're that you can carry out and bring with you, so that. You, this also gives a chance to not lose your important stuff because the building might collapse. And then whatever you do leave behind, you might never get back. So that, that's that. Pack your important documents, pack some food and water, cash money, you're ready to go. And my solar, because my solar panels are in there and my devices. I even went a bit over. I went to the extreme and put my technology interests in there too, because I want my I want my entertainment. So I have sol- I have two sol- foldable solar panels, which is actually part of my preparation plan. This is not just about survival. This is about actually making it tolerable after the mega quick, because the global economy is actually going to go completely uh, to, to the trash. So I am I'm completely prepared with two foldable solar panels, tablet device which can be charged directly because these foldable solar panels are for direct USB charging of any USB chargeable device, including portable speakers, tablet devices, phones, and stuff like that. So that's actually included in what I have ready. I'm, I'm, I'm really not willing to lose even that. Are we still going to have internet connections after the Collaborate event? <laughs> download, like- download the office so you can watch it whenever you want, and this way you don't have to worry about connections? Uh, well, that was the other detail is that because no, there will not be, I did, I put a lot of effort into downloading the stuff that I, that I want. Like I'm a, I'm fanatical about music and, and even video entertainment. So I've, 
When I was in Bogota, Colombia, I took advantage of the amazing shopping conditions uh, that are offered there. I stocked way up on memory cards and and all that stuff for for storage and even charging cables, extra charging cables. And then and I also have a huge collection of music and, and all that stuff. And I took advantage while I have nice high speed internet now. I download all my videos and and lots of reggae music, soca music, uh, all that cool music worldwide, even even some Arab music, because uh, this is is fascinating. Uh, so I like culture. So I've saved up all this stuff plus medicinal medicinal plants. Let's not forget about that. I even saved a lot of info on medicinal plants. I'm creating. I have this massive database on medicinal plants for the Amazon rainforest. Now I have all this information, digital, this digital supply of information has been very helpful, but it will be especially helpful when everything is down and I'm in the rainforest and have everything saved. So that's very useful. So as New Jersey gets flooded, I'll have to get in my boat and then travel down to the rainforest and I'll listen for the reggae music to find you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you concerned at all about the information that you're putting out? Are you worried about your your safety and getting this out to people? It seems, you know, if the governments know about this and they're not telling anybody and you're putting two and two together, I mean, even even just to get banned from Twitter, that's at a minimum. Are you worried about any of this? Oh, no, because th- this was this was one of the other things that uh, that I wanted to point point out. There is there is actually a U.S. military base following me on Twitter, which is this is this is one of the very fascinating things. This is the sixth largest naval base in the United States of America. There, and so this is an official uh, U.S. military account that is following me, and and it's Corpus. It's a Corpus Christi Army Depot. So that does say something. So I don't. I don't think they're they're not exactly mad at me that I'm doing this cuz why why on earth is is this this happening so so no I I don't I, besides I would have been banned by now I think at this point so no so this is a sign that I'm I'm okay and then the, besides the government is is therefore aware of this that means that the government knows that I called it the collaborative event and it should probably be accepted and officially called the collaborative event after the the earthquake happens. So I think I think everything is in order. Have you ever had a government reach out to you for assistance in figuring out this? Is is there you know so the United States is following your your Twitter account, but is is there a maybe a smaller country or or anybody associated with them for you to be their expert? Um, no, I really think this is kept on on the lowdown because besides. The primary like member of, of the agency in Indonesia is also following my Twitter. Of course, they're 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 silent. And then of course, and then the the most followed the most followed earthquake person on Twitter, which is Frank Hugerbeats, which a lot of people now know about. Do you know about him, Frank? Yes, I've, I've seen him. Yes, he is actually he and that and then the leader of the Indonesian National Agency are they're both following my account. So and and then the and then no of course there's no communication which so all these examples show that it's it's very in silence that I'm being watched only and that's it so you see how that works and it's it's very silent everything about how it's going so that there it's a very 
keep it on the down low, but they're yet they're very, very aware. So currently not on a payroll, but you're willing to accept an offer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to stay mostly, mostly th- this way, though, I'd, I'd say it, it, it's going to um, this is how it's going to stay like this the, uh, the, the whole time. Oh, but, uh, but I was just thinking about how there one one important uh, segment that I that we that we skipped past and we didn't get to was about the west coast of the United States concerning about the earthquakes. This is about the San Andreas Fault. It turns out, just like the other areas I mentioned, there are also important signs on that because the San Andreas Fault, you can actually see based on its its uh, activity history that it, it too has locked up. It, it is a very strong case uh, demonstrating what I've been saying is happening to the Pacific Plate. Because the Pacific plate has been held back and is stalled out due to the blockage of the plate, earthquakes along the San Andreas Fault have totally declined. It has gone from a very long active history to completely quiet. And I actually looked at the records. Locally, it does actually go back much further. There in particular, they have physical records of earthquakes going back to the beginning of the 1800s. Not like most places in the world, but there, yes. So you can see the frequency of major earthquakes on the San Andreas Fault from the beginning of the 1800s. And what you notice is that uh, from the start of the of these records, they had a very high frequency. And then as you move towards uh, uh, about just over a century ago, the San Andreas Fault went quiet. And it has progressively gotten less and less earthquakes. There has only been, I think I register only one major seismic event on the San Andreas Fault in more than a century now, because it's been that heavily locked. And so what um, what does all this mean, though? The entire San Andreas Fault is going to move when the event happens. The sudden release of the event and a displacement of the plate, you're going to be witnessing in person uh, or anyone in, in California, the 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 very displacement of that plate happening suddenly, the whole San Andreas Fault is just moving in the event, and that's that's the release. Nothing that is stuck um, as a result of the current setup is going to stay that way after. So everything that has stayed in silent is suddenly going to go boom and just go into massive movement. So that's why the entire San Andreas Fault is going to activate. Shortly after, just just like the Caribbean, no, it won't happen before it. As long as this event remains pending, the San Andreas Fault is going to stay quiet, and then this whole thing goes off. Then, so a tsunami is going to be one of the least of their worries as they're dealing with the San Andreas Fault. Yeah, that that'll that'll be the the the, the case because it turns out that the San Andreas Fault in the Los Angeles area covers the inland area. The tsunami hits the the coastal area, so it. In, in particular, for the Los Angeles area, everywhere is like basically uh, screwed as a result of, of this, uh, basically. I'm sorry to say, but but yeah, so the, the, the half of the metro LA area and San Diego area uh, close, uh, closest to the coast will get the tsunami that I know about. And then the, and then the half inland is where the San Andreas Fault is located. And, and because the intensity will be so high, it will totally damaged. The bridges will collapse, the factories, it, it will be complete ruin. So you see that. Destruction from uh, both sides. Destruction from both sides. Right. Is there anything else that we've, we've left out in this? I feel like we've covered 
almost the whole world. There are some things that have been left out. There are details like what has happened with with Asia. Frequency of magnitude seven and up earthquakes in uh, in the Mediterranean and Europe uh, has has crashed. I, I actually noticed how the Mediterranean, uh, the whole southern Europe area, used to have magnitude seven and up earthquakes, and those. And, and they are quite frequent. They were, weren't they like every decade or uh, that's, that's a relative frequency that they were. And then starting like over two decades ago, they stopped. And this happens at the same time that the same thing happened in, in North, North America and the rest of Asia. There used to be magnitude eight and up earthquakes across Asia. So, so you can see if you actually follow the patterns on a global scale, you're going. You're going to actually notice a, a sign signs of global gridlock, because all of these these areas have been in simultaneous decline. There used to, there used to be plenty of magnitude eight earthquakes in the interior of Asia, and those those have paused for more than a half a century. That is because of the plates uh, jamming and tightening up, and the reason is because of friction. As the plates are are pressing together, um, as gradually this tightening is going, the faults are responding more strongly to friction and it's causing to lock. This is actually happening in real time. This, that's, the, that's the situation that we're in. That's more like just, that doesn't necessarily mean that the areas that are that had these eights will be among the, the most heavily impacted, but this is actually, it's one of the, the, the major giveaway signs of what's happening to the plates. Well, the epicenter, of course, will be in Japan, but, but these, these are the giveaways that we are, we are sitting on top of plates that have been tightening up, yeah, going into a global gridlock state o- over, the, over the last several decades. So, that, so those are like the main other signs to cover. And, and that, that pretty much uh, covers covers all the earthquake signs that I that I have to discuss. Sure. Let me just jump to something real quick. So well, we mentioned Frank uh, Hogerbeet. Uh, so he is of the belief that planetary alignments are causing earthquakes. Do you see that same thing? Or are you more just looking at the plates being locked and, and you're looking at the actual fault lines and jamming and the history of earthquakes? Yeah, yeah I, I am only following strictly signs based on the earthquakes themselves. So, so the, earthqu- the earthquake behavior from them themselves are what make me determine what the situation of the earthquakes is and, and the plates. So I so I do not use so I would call those like I don't know secondary signs that people people are using but I do not I do not use that so the I would call I would just say that these are direct signs because the earthquakes it's just about the the earthquakes themselves because the the plates are obviously doing something I just read the plates using the using the earthquakes themselves to the to the root of of the story of everything. So that's strictly how I am operating it. Perfect. You're just using all the science that you know worldwide governments on the internet tracking these these plates, the jams, the frequency of earthquakes, and the history of them in their past and their frequency. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That. So that's that's just how I use it. It, it just seems I'm neutral regarding regarding other people's other people's methods but either um either way that things things would work use uh, judging the behavior of earthquakes 
is is obviously a very wise way to to see what's happening because obviously it's happening um because the the plates regardless of of what causes everything to happen um you you need to you need to see the state that the the plates are are in 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 anyways like like if if something stops moving another thing moves and and, so, and there there have been there have been many uh questions about like the main the main driver though i i would have to say though that the main okay what's the main driver of how earthquakes actually work though the process of what causes earthquakes is actually driven by mantle convection so the heat from the inside of the earth uh drives a gradual cyclical movement of the mantle so once one section one side churns upward slowly and then the other side as it cools it gradually dips on the other side and this like a conveyor belt gradually moves the plates and so that's 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 gradually driving the plate movement and so when so it's like a giant mechanical system if a section gets stuck then it starts accumulating strain and uh, and so the behavior of this mantle convection is sometimes a bit irregular but in general it's pretty much it's pretty much constant though so i use that to to determine so people might wonder how could this even happen people don't even, some people have not realized that the silence is not a good thing because the whole thing is mechanical so when something gets stuck strain strain builds up in the in the mantle and in the plate it's itself so that's uh that, that's actually the driving mechanism for how how it works and why earthquakes happen and and also why energy will accumulate on such a massive scale to produce an earthquake so big like the one i'm expecting more good news <laughs> brett you rock this interview man i really appreciate it you are on twitter you are a canadian earthquake researcher uh people should look you up they should follow you do you have anything you want to plug do you have any websites that you have or you want to steer people in a direction my main hub does happen to be twitter where i where i post i i do plan to uh even use more platforms starting later but but, but for now it's it's twitter and and youtube so like if you search for a collabor event then you could then that's probably the easiest way to find it in in youtube and, and on twitter of course it's canadian earthquake researcher oh there is instagram Instagram is a good alternative for anyone who doesn't use Twitter. So there's there's that also. So those are mine. Look them up on Instagram. Look them up on Twitter, YouTube. Give them a follow. Tell them that you came from wild, weird, and sometimes normal. Brent, I seriously appreciate you coming on today. Uh, what, a, what a great interview. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, everyone. That was our show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. Like and follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram to stay up to date in all things wild and weird. Check out the links in the show notes for more information on our guest. The biggest support you can offer is to tell everyone about the podcast. Until next time.